Let's call our uh, Warren Committee meeting to order. Today is January 30th. It is seven o'clock. And uh, this meeting is being recorded. It'll be made available later uh, on the website. So we have um, um, a full agenda tonight. Um, even though this says comments from the town moderator, he's not coming. He came to last meeting. So um, the, uh, the you can see we'll, we'll go through some minutes and some um, administrative things. We have uh, uh, a lot of department heads here. Um, thank you for coming. And uh, they're going to present uh, their department budgets. We have some reserve fund transfers. Um, and we want to save some time for the new elementary school building discussion that we had started at our last meeting um, and uh, talk about the budget guidance um, and then um, review the, the updates to the warrant article listing and uh, get any informational updates. So uh, with that, um, did everybody have a chance to review the minutes of January 16th? Yeah. Okay. Uh, any com I know, um, Peter, you had some very minor, minor. comments. They were, yeah, they were, they were very minor. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I entertain a motion to uh, to approve those subject to those minor edits. Uh, move to approve the minutes of the last one committee subject to a couple minor edits. I okay. Second. 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 Okay. So we're all here, so we can just do uh, a vote here. So all, all in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay, motion passes. All right. Um, the next item is our uh, calendar. And this might take a little bit. I want to uh, share with you the changes that, that happened. There were a number of different changes that we added, changed added some meetings, changed some meetings, make sure everyone's aware of it. The Everything that's highlighted in yellow has, has changed. So the first one is, is um, the date stayed the same. February 27th is still at the Public Safety Building, but we are going to have our MBTA zoning brief on that day. Uh, Maria will, will come and, and do that for us. Um, and then uh, the next uh, meeting is I believe the date changed on this one. It's now March 12th, which is a Tuesday. There was a conflict with the uh, select board. Um, so uh, we changed our meeting to the 12th. And uh, the, uh, the next meeting is a week later on the 19th. Um, I can't remember if that date changed or not. I don't think it did, but... Uh, it must have changed because I, I changed the, uh, I highlighted it yellow. So oh, maybe what changed is that's the public safety building. That might have, that may know what changed. It, it's now at the public safety building. And then we've added two new meetings. Um, I think the 19th was a, might have been a, you know, if we need it meeting, but we now, we now know we're going to need it. There's two meetings in uh, April. The first one is April 2nd, and that is our public hearing. Um, and uh, that is going to be in this room. It's going to start right after the select board's meeting. The select board will meet at six. And then um, 
there'll be a hard stop and we will have the public hearing. We'll just switch places. Um, they're going to stay for the public hearing. Uh, and so that's a 7.30 start time. And then on the 9th, we have a meeting which will just be dedicated to the uh, the MBTA zoning warrant article. Uh, the planning board has two public hearings, and uh, the 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 last one is April first. So they won't have finalized the actual warrant uh, until then. So we we couldn't deal with that on the second. So we're we're going to dedicate the ninth to that meeting. Um, and then um, on uh, the tenth, that's just a, a reminder that the warrant has to go to the printer on that day. There's not a meeting that day. Uh, and then our town meeting is on the sixth. So, um, so we've got a lot to get through uh, in the next couple months um, and uh, three months, I guess. Uh, but um, it's basically two meetings a month is is kind of what we're we're looking at. Any questions on that? And I, I've reordered the uh, meeting assignments um, so that, um, you know, to, to put them in the order of the new meetings that we've added. Um, the questions? Okay. Okay. Um, so thank you all for coming. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion of the department budgets from last week. and. Um, and just a reminder that we appreciate um, you being here, uh, but we would also <laughs> like to leave at nine. So we want to uh, try to be um, keep it brief and, and to the point and make you know make your points. But uh, we'll also you know make sure we have questions and, and address those. But um, so we're, you know, I think the goal was around 10 minutes, but some will go over, some will go under. So we'll just play it by ear and see how it goes. Um, and uh, the first one is, so the order, uh, I guess that's been decided is uh, Marion will go first, then Katie, then Pam, Kathy, Dana, Andrew, and then Christine is that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. So people didn't read them. So everybody, you know, we're we're going to assume, yeah, for the department heads, assume that your respective department that is in this book, we've all read, we have the background on it, we understand it. Um, we still might ask questions, but <laughs> uh, and then we also have the actual twenty-five budget, the other spreadsheet that that Frank has sent out with the actual numbers on it. So we have that too. So, all right, Marion, come on up. Hi. Hello. So do you want me to speak first? Um, who, did anybody have Marion? I did. Of, you did. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to, you know, introduce um, the department and? Yeah. So, um, Marion, I met, um, I think a week ago, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. was really enjoyed well. Got to learn a lot about the town clerk, and um, mostly, I think the variation that she, uh, 
experiences depending on the type of election we have per year, given that one of their main expenses is election related costs. Um, but that is quite difficult to predict in actuality with the um, well, right now, yep. Um, so anyway, but it was a very enjoyable time, and I'll let her have that question. So, um, for 2025, um, I'm not, I'm not asking for anything other than for an added cost to the office supplies. Basically, that is because the toner for the printers that are downstairs, which actually come from the state, each one of them is $350 for the toner. And depending upon the elections that I have and the amount that I'm printing, um, that blows my whole office supply budget right there. So, and then the other thing that I was asking for was an additional $250 to be added to dog licensing. Um, lots of doggies in the field. I'm sure you've all heard at some point, but anyway, we're averaging about 2,000 dogs at this point. So wow. that budget hasn't increased since the flux of puppies from the COVID and prior to that, it's just progressively gone up. Um, but to Emily's point, what we were what we were discussing was it's a little bit difficult for me to determine um, election costs in a year such as 2024. We have the primary coming up, as you all know, we have a local town election. Um, then there's the annual town meeting. Then we, you know, that's this year, and then we're shifting in to for the primary and the general the presidential election in November. So I do have the ability to toggle back with the state to fight to get money back, which I've done ever since I came into the town clerk position. And it tends to be like the earlier in the pool, the more money you get. Um, so I tend to jump in that pool very early and to try and get, try and recoup some of those costs back from the state. Um, but it's a little bit difficult. What I was discussing with Emily is, for example, right now, I just actually counted before I came up here, I've gotten 822 vote-by-mail postcards within a week. So is that all I'm going to get? Am I going to get 5,000 more between now and February 27th? It's very difficult for me to know. Every one of those ballots that I mail out is 97 cents. So, you know, if I have 800, it's 800 bucks. If I have 5,000, it's 5,000. You know, it's that type of thing. So it's very difficult to know, to know that. Thankfully, last week at the select board meeting in terms of the financial piece of it, the select board did opt out of us having to do early voting for our local election um, because of those postcards that we get in the mail when somebody checks off all elections. The law was a little bit ambiguous about whether that includes our local or not. So I had asked the select board to vote to opt us out of that because it would just be another expense added to the town. And I really wouldn't be able to fight for that one with the state. Hmm. So that's what we were discussing, that it's a little, sometimes I don't have a crystal ball to tell you what I'm going to get hit with. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's the 6,500 uh, increase that you're asking for. The town right. election expense, is that what that is? Oh, no, I'm not asking for it. Where are you? 6,500 for the 2025? 
that were you? No, the increase. 17.5, is that the, am I looking at the right thing? Yeah. I don't think that, are we talking about fiscal year 2025 budget? Oh, I see what you mean yeah. from here. But it's also lower than what it was in 23. So I yeah. That's... Oh, that's the change from 2024. Right. I see where you're going. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 24, the budget yeah. was 11. You're asking for 17.5. So it was 6,500. Right. And and I think like Peter pointed out, it's it's less than what was actually incurred in 23. Um, is that, are you, are you comfortable with this? I'm comfortable with okay. it, but again, it's all kind of, it's based on the numbers that I had at the yeah. time. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. But what, what, so it looks like it might be offset in part by the data processing. Right. So that was the other thing. You know, the way that this budget is laid out, we, Tracy and I, who's the assistant town clerk, kind of went through that we wanted to kind of shift things around. So data processing, we wanted that to be added to election expenses. In other words, the way that a lot of these were titled was kind of redundant. Mm. Um, so we were asking that 5,000, like the data processing elections to be added to actually election expenses because it's all oh, kind of the okay. same thing. Do you see oh, what I mean? Oh, okay. That's why when you said 6,500 or more, wait a minute, okay, I don't think okay. I did that. We're just kind of moving puzzles. That's really 5,000 plus the yeah. Right. There's 1,500 plus the 5,000. Okay. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because like the ballot printing for sense. our elections yeah. is essentially only the ballots that I order for our town elections. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, good. That's good. So. Any other questions for Marion on the town clerk budget? Well, you're going to have a busy year. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Go bring it on. I'm ready. Let's go. It's gonna be good. The new systems work well with the tablets and it's great. I just love them. The machines are new. When was that? We got that grant in 2021, maybe I forget. Um, with the poll pads, you see them when we check in. Yeah. Um, we actually just got a new Dropbox that I haven't in, gotten installed yet. That was through another grant um, with Frank and Christine because there were some questions about security. I'm sure you've all heard on the news about mail postage boxes, people getting crazy with those. So we had to update that. And, um, but no, the equipment is fantastic. And our group is great. Our right. election workers are great. So no, we're looking forward to getting to Well. Thank you for everything you do. Town, I appreciate it. All right. Am I all set? And unless there's any other questions, I think I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Next we have a uh, meeting and um, park and rec and Mel. Um, you guys can come up here and sit at the table. Jill, do you want to uh, introduce the department? Um, so he, Mel and I met a couple of times uh, the past couple of weeks um, to go through the budget um, and things we're preparing on summer meetings. There's some really good um, data information here. So let me uh, let's see if I can show that. show that presentation. Just give me a second. Yeah. Mm 
Okay, here we go. Great. Um, so for the most part, the budget's level funded. There's a little bit there for salaries, which I'm sure we will get into. Um, we did take a look at our, I think it was in November, we had our um, capital expenditure meeting um, through that, but I think some of that's included in the summary. So I'll turn it over to you there. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, it feels a lot better being here after a year because last time was three weeks and I was like, I really, good luck. Um, <laughs> so we're excited. Um, we've had a really good year as far as um, money and policies and procedures. Um, just a couple of recap. There's the summary. Um, there's this whole packet of fun things, but I just wanted to take the opportunity to highlight a couple of things. Um, one is we have the budget increase for our um, our partner salaries because we're hoping to have the assistant director position start halfway through the fiscal year in FY in January FY25 or for January 2025. Um, everything else for the operations is staying the same. Um, when it comes to just operating overall, the only difference will be is our salary lines. Um, and we're working with that uh, as most of some things that do go over budget, we have the revolving account. So we supplement on the revolving. Uh, we, the commission and I, uh, we worked on a refund policy um, that makes sense for us, but also from an accounting standpoint, we are getting rid of our credits on accounts. Um, it's just really difficult from an accounting standpoint, but also as a rec standpoint, when people withdraw from programming, having credits for different fiscal years sit on accounts. So we're coming up with a policy that we no longer do credits on accounts. It will just be um, when they are coming out of a program that they'll be refunded up to a certain percent. We have a whole criteria of when they withdraw and how much they would get back. Um, that's pretty much it for the operating and then the lovely revolving account. Um, so something that we have discussed as a commission and they voted in January is that they're requesting to change our current revolving account from the 53B to a 53 and a half for FY25. Um, on the second page, Revolving account, we currently have around 390,000 um, items below are what we usually pull out of revolving. Um, this year, we spent a lot of money on professional development. That is something that we don't get supplemented from operating, so we do give it to the revolving fund for that. Um, capital projects in the past, you can see for FY23 and 24. Um, FY25 is shaping up to be a little bit difficult. So we just found out about two weeks ago that the state cut the funding um, for a $100,000 earmark by $50,000. And so that money for us was being allocated for the Hinkley Tennis Courts project. Um, so now we're gonna pivot to going back to capital um, because we were supplementing the rest of the cost of the project. So the project's coming in, we haven't done an RFP yet. Um, for $150,000 to $165,000. So we were going to come up with the rest of the money out of the revolving account, but we simply don't have enough now because it's an extra $50,000. This is the Metacomet yeah. Tennis Court. So the Metacomet Tennis Court project. Um, the other two projects, and it's kind of a little bit different. So we have the Hinkley Paving Project with a new playground coming in. Um, we really want that parking lot to be ADA accessible. If you've been down to Hinkley, it's a stone dust. Right now, it's not even paved. Um, so unfortunately, sometimes this spring and summer, we had some strollers getting stuck. And <laughs> down there, there are some craters down there. Um, one big thing to note is that we're working um, 
reallocating funds. So we have identified the commission and I that we have some articles that are in past um, that we no longer need as far as what they were originally allocated for. Because what we wanted to do is with the commission um, and I is really make McCarthy and Hinckley uh, a priority because we have some ADA issues, but also just if you go down to also McCarthy, the paving has been overlooked. DPW has been great in the past and done patchwork. They've also done a substantial amount leading up to the gate, but once you get past that gate, if you go down there, you'll see um, it's, in, it's in rough shape. So that's where we're at. And then I think the one big thing for us is I like to be transparent about our deficits. So we currently right now, fields and town properties, we're at a deficit of $35,530. This money gets taken out of the revolving account, um, as well as Hinkley Pond. So in Massachusetts and recreation, it is very hard for a waterway to make a profit. Um, this is not uncommon. However, for us, Hinkley Pond is not a destination spot. Um, so we're trying to highlight it. We have putting um, money to the bathhouse as well as getting a working shower. Um, it was vandalized last year. So we did get um, it repainted so that didn't take out of the money out of our account that we had. Um, but simply like our payrolls going up, we have to stay to a standards of Massachusetts state law and per beta load of swimming. So we're looking at an average of forty-five to $55,000 a year just in payroll alone at Hinkley Pond. Um, so that is taken out of the revolving account. And then the third- Can I, but before yeah. you go on, can I ask you a question on the, yeah. um, that McCarthy paving project, the yeah. 215. Yep. Yeah. That, like, that's a, a 26-ask so what we did was we were in talks with Christine and Frank about potentially merging them together because when we got original quotes, they said if you pair them together, you potentially could get a discount because you're doing the projects yeah. together. So what we, the commission and I were identifying is would we have enough? So originally when we put out FY25, we were looking at what's currently in the revolving account. We wouldn't, but then when we looked at the past articles, as well as what we would have, we would come pretty close to being able to afford both of them at the same time. Oh. Um, but that's where we're at with the process. Frank and I met with um, Mo. Mo to talk about, um, they have a paving. So the, the funding for that, I guess the only yeah. question is the funding for that is, is you know, because the capital budget and process is, is yeah. through if we're complete that. So yeah. this, you're saying the funding for this is going to come from another source mm -hmm. of money that's been appropriated. Yes. That hasn't been spent. Right. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So, so that point, point of process, so that will still need to go back to the capital budget yeah. committee for them to approve the mm -hmm. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, the allocation of $138,005 would be allocated, reallocated from okay. a path that we have not spent. Okay. And I'm sorry, I just have one more question. I figure it's easy to ask as you go through this. Yeah. Um, you talk about department deficits, the two deficits here, mm -hmm. just so I understand. Yeah. The revolver is not in a deficit overall. No. No. This, so you, you've managed to make this up somehow in, yeah. within the revolver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, and that's pretty much it. So we're forecasting um, on the last page. I think it's just looking at uh, the, oh, the other thing to note. So what I've done um, to change the way that we bring in our um, our revenue and our money is we host registration dates. So in the past, it's always been like ongoing. So what we're trying to do is identify 
at the revolving account at two points of the year where our baseline is. Um, so we're changing registration dates. What we've done, and we think it also helps our families, is we come up with these program guides. So what happens is we take registration at different times. So on the last page, you'll see the bar graph. And they're like, well, why? And last year, compared to this year, we're going to be taking money in differently. So you will see some months, if you look at like July, like why did we take so much in previous years? Because we would used to take registration money for summer camp, like the day before summer camp. And so some people would not pay their balance. And what we did was we came up with a refund policy, um, as well as our summer camp policy, that it is such high demand that we um, would have to pay. They used to have a $50 deposit, and then they would pay whenever they could. So what the commission is, that's not financially responsible. So what we have done is they have to pay half up front and then half by May 1st. And if any family needs to have a payment plan, we're willing to work with them because we do understand it's a lot, especially if you have multiple children, um, it becomes expensive. So they, we work with families, um, but you'll see that we just take in money at different times of the year. Okay. And then this is the, sorry, I wasn't advancing the slides here. Uh, so this is the um, that, okay, everybody has, I can't get that to turn, I guess, but um, it's getting, um, the revolver roll forward is is right here, basically. This uh, maybe you could talk about this. Um, anything you want to add about add about this roll forward or yeah. Um so right now this account um we cannot carry over into the next fiscal year more than ten thousand dollars because that's the way the 53D is operated. So what you'll see is and I'm sorry to go back, but on the first page you'll see in FY21 and 22, there was no turn back to the town. In FY23, we turned back $68,293.39. Um, that's because a lot of park and rec revenue is brought in before the end of the fiscal year. So if you think about it, we take in our camp registration, February, March, April, May. Mm -hmm. So that's revenue unearned. So then we have to work with town accounting and Andrew has been amazing. It's come up with all those receipts to be able to carry that balance over. Um, but this year, we had the surplus of the 60 $8,000, um, which was turned back to the town um, that previously has not been done. And then now that that um, in the capital, that's covered though in the capital budget, right? The 68,000 that's going to go for. It was earmarked in free cash is, to go to our capital. To yeah. 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 So yeah. Oh, free cash. I was in yeah, free cash. Free yeah. cash yeah. It was in free cash. So we've, yeah. we've kind of. Yeah, turn that back to the department. Yeah, so yeah. we that sixty-eight thousand is also part of the paving process. Okay. Um, and then we'll have to get in debt to it, but then we'll, yeah, the fifty-three G. So that's why we have to turn turn the money back in because that's the way that the state has it. Yeah. I mean, we weren't we were just planning on covering the the budget tonight. Yeah. yeah. And we'll have yeah. you back to talk about the article. There is a. Just so you know, there's been an article added to create a departmental revolving account. So we'll go through that with them at another date. But yeah. Yeah. And the last thing is just we've seen an increase um, of participation. We've added more programming, which obviously creates more revenue. 
Um, so our biggest goal is to keep the programs and events as affordable as possible. Um, but you'll see in 2022 and 2023, we had a little bit of a jump. Um, if you look in the book, though, 2022, there was, um, this is the correct number. So we did make a little bit more money for 2023. And you'll see that our participation was up by a thousand on district. So in one year we went up a thousand. We're projecting is that that looks like a record. Is that a record? Hmm? I hope. Yes, at least <laughs> at least on the schedule it is. Going like back to 2020. Maybe 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 2018, 2019 might have been pre-COVID yeah. that maybe, yeah. Okay. It's close to a million dollars of revenue. It's, it's, a, it's a big program. 5,500 people, mm -hmm. a lot of. Mm -hmm. All right, any, uh, any questions for Katie and Mel? No, did a good job. Yeah. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, it's an important program. That's impressive. Yeah. 5,500 last year or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for a year on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Okay, so next, oops, what happened? Did I use it? <laughs> Oh, no. Did I log out of it? I see it upside. No, but I, I need to share. Uh, Frank, I might need your help here. I think I might have done something wrong there. Sorry. Uh, do I need to join the meeting again? No, oh, I, I just can't present though. How do I get to the it's over here? Over here, okay. Share screen. This one, okay. Sorry, yeah, all right. Okay, Pam, you're next. Deb, did you have Pam? Or who, who, had, who had Pam? I had Deb. Deb, Deb had me. Got it. <laughs> Got it. What a team. Pam Gardner. Yes. Welcome. We, we discovered I was an entry level budget because I keep getting a new member every time. So, uh... yeah. <laughs> we had a very nice discussion. I got into the weeds a little bit on trusts that fund some of this, and then I had to pull myself back out of the weeds. Um, and uh, not a huge amount of change here at all. It's a little bit of the salary and longevity and things like that, but um, you can speak to it much better than I. So, yeah. Um, I did bring some updated statistics. Do you guys have FY23 in the budget? Um, I wasn't sure if it stopped at FY23 or if I had some other. Let me just check here. I think so. Yeah, I think we have. Okay. All right. Then yeah, we, well, we have 23 actual. Yeah. Okay. So I have, I have the completed fiscal year Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, so yeah, looking at the budget, not a lot changes. Why I mentioned that. 
Um, I would like to note the information technology line that is down 2.95%. That's down 2.95%. <laughs> um, that's we're switching over to a new computer system that I'm anticipating will um, have lots of costs and we're going to be paying for that out of our state aid account when that uh, comes in. Um, so our biggest increase um, was, uh, our biggest ask is for uh, library materials. Um, so part of uh, the library's uh, participation in the state aid program um, requires us to spend 16% of the budget on library materials. This is everything that like gets checked out. It doesn't count the actual barcodes that check the materials out, but the like any materials that get checked out of the library or any e-content you're checking out online would fall under the library materials um, budget line. So that's about uh, $5,500 over the 16% that I'm currently asking for. However, I have to count in um, anticipated COLA, uh, merit, and then uh, the reclassification study. So that will all, we have to spend 16% of our total allotted um, money from the town uh, on library materials. Um, so we were a little bit, we're like right on the line for this year. So it helps to have a little bit of wiggle room because that's like, I, um, my analogy in my head is a very large plane on a very short runway. Um, so this gives me just a little bit of extra runway because these also, like these are, it's a lot of very small purchases. These are like five and $6 board books, you know, 10 and $12 picture books. Like it's not, so it's just, but it's the quantity of those. So um, we've, I've gotten pretty good at, um, getting us in that um, over the 16% but under the uh, budget request, but um, you know, it helps to have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, and in addition, I don't normally talk about the actual content that we spend on materials in these meetings. However, um, our print materials have increased slightly and our discount on print materials has decreased slightly. Um, but we do still pay a lot less than uh, the list price on print materials. So like the, you know, when you open up the book jacket and the price is listed up there, we spend on average a 44% discount on physical print materials. Mm -hmm. However, e-content, which you'll see increased a lot during the pandemic and has only decreased a little since the pandemic, we actually... It's not a one-to-one -one because these are licenses, but um, so an ebook on Amazon costs about ten to fifteen dollars for you to purchase a license for your individual use. It costs us uh, like sixty to eighty dollars um, for one copy, one user license, or it's slightly less, fifty to sixty dollars for. It's called a metered access, but we get the license for a limited number of time or a limited number of checkout. Mm -hmm. So we're basically. Like we we did a bad job 15 years ago banding together our buying power when e-content comes out and now we're seeing the fiscal. So, you know, you can reach your legislator. Uh, <laughs> it's on the agenda again this year. Um, but um, with 
the we're spending um, Medfield is spending in the Minuteman Library Network, which is the library network that we're a part of. We're spending a uh, dollar and sixty three cents uh, per capita, and the average is two dollars and forty one cents. Uh, so we're we're low, and because that's a shared group, we're kind of not pulling our weight uh, in that group, which is um, neither here nor there, but. Um, this is, I'm asking for this money because of the 16%, which is generally what I rely on, but we actually really do need it. We're not going to struggle to spend this. We're struggling now, mm. um, not spending it, and there's longer wait times on the e-content. I think it's an average of uh, like 45 days for uh, like each item. Yeah. I had a question. Yes. Um, when we looked at um, the trust accounts for the town, yeah. I think there were a few at the library that were overseen by your trustees. Yes. The board. Now, the question was, um, do you have, do you, did they see the, the detail activity and do you give them reports and do they review it? Yes. Okay. So for um the general gift account which yep. is um mostly funded by uh it's if you wrote a check to the library right now that's where i would put it but it's mostly um i would tell you you should probably write that to the friends of the library because they're our fundraising arm and so it's, yep. most of the money comes from the uh friends of the library um and so they uh do annual gifts and that funds all of our library events, which you'll see in the statistic that's listed as library programs. So the operating budget pays for staffing for those library events, but everything else, like all of the materials, all of the marketing stuff that comes from um, the friends account, uh, the general gift account. So that I um, will uh, make day-to-day uh, -day purchases on, because that's, again, that's like a lot of little purchases. Um, without approval from the trustees, but we do at our monthly meetings. I do provide them with a report it's an accounting broken down by, I split up that budget into several. We have uh, four different internal, five different internal budgets. So it's split up into that. And then um, they look at that uh, okay. every month and everything else. Um, and revolving is also another one that I will spend uh, and then they'll review it. Everything else is voted on. Yeah. Um, so I would, before I make the purchase, I will bring it to the library trustees okay. and then we vote to approve the purchase. Okay, great. That's good. That's helpful. I didn't understand that. That was good. I was looking at your trends. It's uh, going in the right direction. I'm I no guess. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's FY23, I think. So calendar 2023, I think is still going to look um, we're going to still be impacted a little bit by pre-pandemic, but for sure, I think 2024, I, I'm really confident with where we're at trend-wise yeah. in 2024. Um, and you'll see our, our borrowing total has like fully rebounded. Mm. We're just not getting as many. We hadn't gotten as many people on the line, but <coughs> pretty much back to where we were. Good. Okay. Just one question on the... Um... Um, budget sheet. I think that the change from 24 cell is, um, I don't think the bottom number is right. It's actually favorable in your, in your, in your favor. And I don't, the 8% increase is not, I don't think it's the right number. Okay. I think it's about 1% increase. So. Yes, that is correct. 
It is a. It doesn't add up to sixty. No, it, it, it adds up to about twelve thousand uh, dollars okay. a year over year, which is about one point five percent. Thank you. No, yeah, it's much more favorable uh, of a story. So I think I that might just be an error in the spreadsheet. Yeah, I think it's just a spreadsheet error. You know what? I have I have my own spreadsheet. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's right. Oh, yeah, that's much oh, better. <laughs> oh, the other? Oh, the one that I think Frank sent out. The one that Frank sent out today? No, no. Oh, the, oh, the other one. Yeah, this one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. It's the uh, it's the detailed department spreadsheet that yeah. that has the wrong percentage. Yeah, good catch. I saw it too. <laughs> um, any other questions for Pam? Any questions for Pam? Thank you very much. We really appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Next, we have Dana. Dana Hinthorn, the inspections department. Yes. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know who has the, who, did you have this step? Okay. <laughs> um, so we talked about this, and um, Dana was very helpful in pulling out information, understand what's going on here. And it looks like two the two biggest uh, changes are the utility slash telephone and mileage. And I think it's making you know, it more detail than I. But these are attributed to many more people having um, uh, inspection requirements for additional projects that started during COVID and are continuing. It sounds like, and then um, giving everybody um, their own cell phone. And well, yeah, the uh, the building department recently. Uh, received a new phone from the local inspector, my deputy commissioner, so he would not have to use his personal phone. So, just in case there's any type of issue that arose, his personal phone was not part of that issue. And then, as far as um, everything else, the inspections have um, increased. And from the mileage, which is what we're asking for, is the inspections have increased, so they need their own uh, they use their own vehicles. So this is quite a bit. And we don't see it in this budget, but um, my understanding is you increased the fees for the inspections recently. The, the select board approved that. Or did they? No. Okay. They haven't changed in a while. Okay. Have you looked at that to see whether they should? Uh, well, sorry, uh, we looked at it, uh, I think it was two or three years ago, and the fees far exceed the cost of the department. So okay. we want to make sure that your fees stay in line when you're off overcharging to be a profit center, uh, depending on the cost of the department. Yeah. We're always welcome, you know, always open to looking at them again, but the select board said the fees and they were not in favor of changing them. I, I think it was about three years ago. Okay. Charge a lot and treat it as a profit center, or charge a lot, charge more and treat it as a profit center. Some of my colleagues may take that approach. 
Are you are you proposing lowering them or? And that would give you some optional flexibility for other things which are going up as well. But um, like gas and mileage. Gas and mileage, whatever else, not just inspections, but maybe in uh in other EBW or other places like that. I, did, did, did they benchmark us against other towns, the, the actual fee that's getting charged? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because in, in previous towns that I've worked in, where we have done that type of comparison, we have bounced it around other towns just to make sure that mm. you're not too low or, you know, yeah. on site where yeah. nobody wants to. Would you like to be in a good big one? Yeah, I just realized that I, you're new to the town, and we, we yes, maybe we should tell us a little bit about your background. Um, well, I've been I've been in inspections for a little over about four years now. Uh, prior to that, I was a um, I was a contractor. We had my own business. I was in business for 15 years. I've been in construction for over 40 years. Um, it just you know it seems like the right time that. To come to the other side of the aisle, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes it's not so fun out there. Yeah. To be quite frank. And and uh, when the hospital, if it gets going, you'll you you'll have help with an outside contractor. Yeah. Dedicated yeah. to that that yeah. initiative. Yeah. 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 And I also have um, my predecessor to I reach out to him on occasions when certain things I'm not quite sure on yeah. to get a to get a clear kind of answer based on his experience with that situation. Okay. Any questions for Dana? Thank you. Okay, great. Thank welcome. you very much. Very well, much. Welcome. Okay. welcome yeah. Thank you. Okay, Andrew. Who are next? <laughs> Andrew Foster, our town accountant. And uh, is this you, Deb? Or? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Deb's <Yeah>. night. <laughs> um, we spoke a while ago. Yeah. And um, I'm going to let you. All right. Um, my, my budget's uh, pretty simple. Um, <laughs> So I just asked for value for dollars for professional development. Trying to get the MCP Hill license next year and dollars. So the rest of that I'll bring my budget. Um cost of my audit fees, we switched firms um this year. Um there. And they're a bit more expensive than the ones I had previously, which is why I'm also gonna have to be asking for a reserve fund transfer. Yeah. Um, so this will be this will be one we talk about later tonight. You might want to explain it. So that, yeah. And uh, then I also increased my uh, OPEP consultant. Um, we alternate year to year. We have a larger report and a smaller one. This is a larger one, so I need more money in that account to cover it. Um, and that's about it. I also cut my office supplies because I. I don't print as much paper as my predecessor, so. <laughs> Saving trees, good. <laughs> the same formula there, I think, was caught in um, Yeah. It looks like the total is still right, but it doesn't doesn't yeah. have the uh, dollar change correct for the professional development. But. Okay, good catch. 
Okay. So, so could you you want to just explain that um, the transfer that we're going to talk about later? Yeah. What? So um, so I'm asking for eleven thousand five hundred dollars. That's the difference I have between what I had budgeted for the audit for this year versus what we're going to be paying for. Um, we decided to switch audit firms. Um, pretty much right before the audit started, um, for various reasons. Um, so we went out and did an RFQ, and uh, this this is how much. Uh, this is the difference that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That happens when you change auditors. Price goes up. Nobody's auditors, right, Steve? Unless you reset. No. No. Under what end you? That's right. That's right. But can you maybe give a little background as to what you anticipate this upgrade of auditors will provide? Uh, well, certainly they, they've done all the testing so far, but they've, you get what you paid for. I, I, like, I like these guys a lot. Um, they're very old school. They came in for about three weeks in person and uh, did all the testing while they were here and they were very thorough. So I'm liking them. Yeah. Are they they able to to share best practices and you know they yeah they'll they'll, um, they'll end up coming in later and I, I think they also as part of their uh, uh, package they were supposed to come in and meet with a select board and uh, present the findings as well. Okay. So, Good. Do any of the auditors have the last name Callahan? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it's always yeah. interesting when you hear that the uh, when the controller says he likes the auditors, you have to be well, but I think you're saying that There's their professionalism relative to what you were getting before is a big yeah. and with your uh, with the scrutiny that we're getting throughout, I think it's yeah. it's a great asset to have and I'm sure you can count on and uh, provide that support. So right with that. Andrew, Andrew's a former auditor. Yeah, he's auditor. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. he knows all the tricks. <laughs> I know what they should be looking for. So. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they, the fact that they show up and they're on site is a, you know, is a much more efficient way. I mean, the other ones would too, where they come in for two or three days. These were been here for a while longer. Well, speaking of the audit, what is the status of it? So they did all the testing. Well, maybe not all of it, but like 95% of it. They're working on the school in a year report review right now. And they'll do the single audit, I think, a little bit later. Um, that's the big long report that goes to DESI. Uh, that's the end of the year report oh, that's, that's, that's a DESI one. Okay. And then the single audit is for uh, federal grants. Federal grants, yeah. Um, so what? when will they have the financial statement? I'd say I'd get a draft. Probably sometime late February. Okay. Um, we need to get everything by mid March for continuing disclosure, the final report. But I'd expect mid to late February also draft. We had, a, I think, uh, Ed was very interested in getting uh, copies of the audited statements mm -hmm. to look at. So we might we might have you back just to share that with us and go through the highlights. I guess. All right. Okay. Any questions? I have a question, Chris. What's testing? What happens when you have when the testing happens? Uh, they go through 
my financial records, they go up their accounts receivable, revenues, cash balances, uh, and they're just checking, essentially just checking to make sure that my financial statements actually match all my backup for everything. Make sure my balances match the treasurers, make sure what I've reported to the state matches what I have in my financial records, that type of stuff. Well, they looked at audit evidence, which is of reports and you know receipts and vouchers and stuff like that. Real exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Does that get done every year or is it like a yes, every two years? It, it's it's required to be done every year. By the state or the town? Uh it's required by the state. Um yeah, we're significant size. I don't I think if you're a certain size, they make it required. Yeah. And and there are and there are standards for from government audit standards that, that need to be met because yeah. the people who are using the financial statements are going to rely on that that work is done in compliance. Right? Yeah, we have a separate grant, uh, the single audit is what it's called, or yellow book audit, that's specifically because we get over X amount of federal grant money. So the federal government also requires there to be an audit as well. Yeah. Which is good. Yes, yes, very good. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, any other questions for Andrew? No. Well, thank you. Did you, you get a shout out about you being awesome in your work? So, <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Nothing Appreciate better it. than that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, oh, we're moving right along here. This is great. <laughs> Got plenty of time. All right, Christine. No, I think we're going to do outreach. Go oh, outreach. Okay. We'll do outreach. Okay. Oh, I skipped it. I'm sorry. I went over you. I apologize. I skipped you. Yeah, you were supposed to be after Pam. Yeah, you were supposed to be after Pam. My apologies. No worries. Let's tell the time. Let me, let me uh, pull up your. Uh, I do have your um, presentation, so just give me a second. Um, well, you're playing that up, Steve. Um, I'll just give a quick intro of our time together, and then I know we've got a presentation to go through. Um, so Kathy and I met, um, feels like forever ago, but I think it was only a couple of weeks. Um, not a whole lot of change in the budget um, this year and what's being requested, but uh, definitely a whole lot of stuff that you guys manage and do every day throughout the town. So um, I'm excited for her to share that with you all and a little bit more info on what else is going to be committed. Sorry, it's just, I thought I had this up, but I guess I didn't, so. Many of the slides are going to pull up with more for your reference. There's only very few that have data points on that I'll speak to. So some of it was pretty preview ahead of time. We should not be familiar with what we do. So we'll be one of the quicker to today.
Yeah. It was easy. Okay. Uh, you can just advance the slide. Advance the slide. I guess some of this was just for your benefit. I'd like to pause you here for a second. This is one of the um, changes that I'd like to draw your attention to. We have had the um, exciting advancement of the creation of a human service department and some restructuring. And so I tried to give you a flow chart to show you what that looks like. So that looks like. Um, I sit sort of in two spots. Most of the time I sit in um, midfield outreach, but I'm also director of human services. And that means that I oversee public health nurse, veterans agent, compound aging, as well as medical outreach, and work very closely with library, park and rec, um, but do not oversee them. They are governed in a different way. And one of the great things that's exciting about this is it really gives us the opportunity to reduce silos, uh, collaborate, share resources, which inevitably will save the town money. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. So a lot of times there's duplication of services across these various departments. So we have very simple examples of this is a shared database. Instead of each of us having a database of resources, we now dump into a shared database for housing, for referrals, for food insecurities, for unsheltered folks, et cetera. And we're kind of each um, identifying areas um, within those departments that we would like to take on as being sort of subspecialists, if you will, so instead of reinventing the wheel, we're able to sort of have point people to do that and funnel into one thing, which leverages our time to do other things, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's one really um, exciting example. And I think in time, we'll see savings over that or expansion of programs and um, reach to our residents. So um, on the right is um, my day-to-day -day department, which is, um, we're small, but but mighty. We um, I have one full-time clinician and I think that's where I'd like to draw your attention to. So I have one full-time clinician, and it's Mia Chancharulo. Coming soon to box to the right is um, the opioid abatement funds. The person that will fill that position will sit in the outreach office, but again, we'll work very collaboratively, not only with the departments of UCFM, but with others like Board of Health, um, some of our underserved housing areas in town. Um, peer recovery areas, all sorts of ways that are outlined through the governance of the abatement funds and how they should be utilized. So that person will come. Um, and then our prevention coordinator, there is actually another box that should be squeezed in. We will have another prevention that we're hiring soon. I want to point out to you, though, that both the abatement funds and the prevention are funded through grants. So um, the abatement funds have a little more longevity then do the prevention funds, which we are in our fifth year of a federal grant. And we are um, readying to apply for a competitive bid cycle year six through 10. But obviously we're, we're optimistic that we'll get those funds, but not sure. And um, I can have you hold that as we advance through different slides, you'll see that the impact that will have on the department should that funding go away. And then you don't have to go back, but the last two is we all, you don't have, that's okay. Yes, we bring on interns um, graduate level interns to help expand our services at no cost to the town, besides obviously time and resource of our clinicians. But okay, that's all for that stuff. Okay. Okay, so here is just the three major buckets of what we do. And really, what I'd like to, to draw attention to is the data point below, which you'll see in, in calendar year 2023, over 1,300 hours were provided. And that breaks down to about 25 hours per week of clinical services. 
So that's up from 965 in 2022. And while this is yay on us, this is not a good problem to have because this indicates that there's need out there. And you all watch the news, you're all hearing about the mental health crisis, people are struggling, et cetera, et cetera. These numbers reflect that locally. The good news is while we're small, we're super efficient and we, we have a good reach, as you can see, what you didn't see here is another data point that of all the referrals we got for counseling, we were able to meet one third of those in-house. So out of every three people that call, we are able to service one of those three. That doesn't mean the other two go without service. We refer them out, we connect them to other connections to care. But that's, I'm pretty proud of that number given that you're talking, you know, one full-time clinician myself is spread yeah. over multiple departments in one graduate level intern right now. So um, I'm excited to think about the capacity that we could bring with that other full-time clinician with another full-time graduate intern, et cetera. Um, program, um, community assistance programming, that's like needs-based work. And a quick addition of those numbers is over 250 people um, benefited from various programs that we have and I would point out that, that one of the things we're super proud of about that middle bucket is through um, relationships with other businesses, programs, departments in town that make that work possible. So that doesn't happen in isolation only with us. Like camperships happen with Park and Rec and the Medical Foundation. And I could give you an example for every list on there. There's, there's another community partner. So that's part of our skill set is leveraging resources in the community. And then the last one is the one I asked you to hold in your mind about the prevention work. So we, the prevention work, we do two major sort of buckets of prevention, reduction of youth substance use. And we know we have a problem in Medfield based on the MWAS data. We know that uh, Medfield youth use substances at rates that are in excess to our local Metro West counterparts. Mm. That is what made us eligible for that five-year federal grant of which we're in year five and hopefully soon to be in year six. But so we have identified staff that's targeting specifically that problem with the whole sort of SPF, it's called strategic prevention framework. There's all sorts of stakeholders. It's it's um, scientifically backed and evidence-based. But if you look, just the staff that were, that were leveraged through that funding provided 2,500 hours last year alone in prevention work which had the reach to over a thousand youth students in this district. Um, if you add in the coalition folks, you're up over 3000 hours. So that's a huge impact. And we will look to, to demonstrate over time with data that supports um, that work about um, bringing those numbers down, but it takes time, which is why they give you up to 10 years to make that mark. So um, those are my major data points. Just a quick sure. doubt, which is that at all, I'm sure it's, I, my gut feeling is it's right, but how do you get the data that Medfield is above the average for other towns? How do you collect that? That's through um, a uniform um, survey called the Metro West Adolescent Health Survey. And that survey is given every two years through students grades six through 12 in the public school. And that is... Um, you could you could Google it. It gets released every so often. There was one that was just administered in November of this past year. Those results won't be out till late spring. And then you can compare apples to apples from here and Westwood and the other surrounding communities that participate because those students are asked the same question. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. It's like a self-reported, right? It is self-reported. Yep. Yep. Exactly. 
but there are like lie detector questions kind of built in. So there's too many that are that are answered in a way that those get kicked out. So it has a good um, validity, reliability, validity scores. Mm -hmm. Okay, next slide. That's just what we mean when we say clinical services. It's just for your reference. You can go to the next slide. Those are our some of our community assistance programs. Next slide. That's the highlight. Hopefully, some of this looks familiar to you. That's one of our, our other prevention work. We do a suicide prevention. Major um, September and May are our major months that we target. You can go to the next slide. MCAP is the one that we're federally funded through. Um, and that's when we have the two prevention workers that were in year five. Um, when were you here on the, the new question? So the bid process we anticipate is going to open up um, second week of February, and we've been preparing and working with consultants to get like next this next month. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then it's about six weeks open for about six weeks, and then it closes. So then you wait, and um, by fall, early fall. So as you can imagine, it's hard to keep staff in place with with funding that may or not may not be coming through again. And there's a lot of benefits, but some some things that um, some challenges around this work. So yeah. most other communities that were here in Union 6, I remember coming back to school and people being like, we got it, and why we're still waiting, you know, from other communities that were in that year six phase. And then for our fiscal year for this ends September 30th. For the current grant, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So, so, so this this budget, so find out, oof, the budget yeah. for twenty five, assumes that we will get it. Is that? Yeah, and we do have rollover funds, and we've asked um, proactively if those rollover funds from that federal source could be used for interim funding for program coordinator to stay on as we find other grants. In addition to that, we're, we have our toe in VSAS Mass Call 3 funding, grant funding, which is a cluster community approach. Um, but we haven't brought that in front of the select board yet because there's a lead agency and they don't have their paperwork in order yet. So we've, we've given a soft yes, we want to participate in this, which would give us some access to funds. But it would fund through Hawkington and then, much like other shared services do. Um, but they have a lot of turnover and things happening in their town government that um, just keeps getting um, delayed a little bit. So we do have that, and we do have some rollover funds. So you feel comfortable that even if if we were to get this, that the revenue loss would be covered by other sources? Okay, through the current year, through the through fiscal twenty five, twenty six becomes a whole new start. Exactly. And that's why I keep laying this out is like that this so we get to how easy my budget is this year because that is true. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that's so just sort of saying like when you see next year, it might keep I'm hoping it's the same story. And I say this is great and we're in great standing yeah. again, but it could be very different. Yeah, it could um, be a, a tough conversation. Yeah. Yeah. In other communities like Needham, for example, have um gone through this process and then rolled that prevention worker into the town um budget sometimes cost shared over different departments, sometimes in their own, you know, one department. So different different towns are looking for sustainability in a variety of ways. And we're hoping that we have five more years to prepare for that or flourish. 
um, with the continued funding. Because the goal of that grant really does look like the meaningful change happens over 10 years. So if they do want to fund as many um, as they can, but they fund 50. So depending on year to year, those numbers fluctuate on how many you're competing against. So 50 in Massachusetts? No, 50 in the country. In the whole country? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It really makes sense they want to continue it to get the full tenure. Yeah. Run. <laughs> but we should all knock on wood. Our consultant has been 100% funded. So there's her somewhere working on it. So well, that's good, maybe. If she does, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> so, that, so that's us. Um, and then our budget really is super straightforward. Our operating budget is really small. It's about $25,000. It remains fairly stable. Our service is in the people. We do our work, we're, we're a social service department. It is our people that provide the service, not the stuff. Um, there was a $700 increase, and that is under the line, and I want to bring your attention to it, to professional development, because my anticipation is that opioid um, abatement role will get filled, and then to keep licenses current in our field, you need a certain amount of CEUs every two years, and so that's um, equal budgets now over the three people that was utilizing that. And that's that's the reason for the request there. There might be one more slide, but really goals. Yeah, it's just goals, but that's just that's okay. That's yeah, I think we already spoke to those about you know the future maybe with so good Oh, you've got a lot going on in yeah. small, small little department. <laughs> Yeah. So you're making a difference, hopefully. Any questions? Questions? Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Good luck on the grant. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Oh, sure. You have both of us for counseling. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Okay, Council on Aging. Um, our director couldn't be here tonight. Sarah couldn't be here, so Kathy and I said we would uh, stand in for her. So I apologize. You get a much better presentation from Sarah than the two of us, but we will do our best. <laughs> okay, who has a comment? I do. So um, Sarah and I met a couple weeks ago. Not a lot of change with her um, budget, but you guys will go through. Um, I'm sure it's in New York and some programming and whatnot she's got going on. So, <laughs> yeah, we've got more in her programs and she's got a tremendous amount of programs. Sarah started, um, you know, a little over a year ago. So, she was disappointed not to, similar to Katie, to be able to finally present to you, um, you know, for her second year. So, um, Sarah's doing a tremendous job at Council on Aging to continue to increase the programs there for our seniors, uh, increase the attendance of the programs. Um, as you know, we have an exciting uh, garage project coming up. Uh, we're working with the plan Permanent Planning and Building Committee on that. Uh, it's been a little stalled as we finished out the water treatment plant, but that project is on the horizon. Um, we essentially have no increase uh, in her budget going forward for this year. Yeah. It's using every spare inch of that building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, Even yeah. in the hairdressing area for other programming, they are really are utilizing. Yeah. It's a bustling. I'm in there a lot more, as you can imagine. And um, it is busy. And oh, it's busy. Lots of life. Lots of good things yeah. happening there. So. And yeah. there, we're full staffing up there as well, which is great. Great. So, That's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, the budget looks fairly stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I would. What's the timing? You to drop in, especially if you're going to go vote in person, to just drop in and see the senior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the timing on the garage? Like, when do they plan? So uh, we unfortunately we had to cancel a meeting that we had in January. We anticipate meeting next month to start figuring out um, where we're going to go with um, design build. Uh, we have an RFP to hire an architect to come in. We have some preliminary designs that were done about three or four years ago. Yeah. But with the um, uh, housing project that's on Hinkley South, uh, we have had some ideas of maybe shifting that garage. It was originally supposed to be on that side of the building, um, possibly shifting that to the other side. And then there was some discussion about whether or not the garage should connect, actually make a connection into uh, the existing council on aging. So. We're looking at all those different scenarios uh, once we put an architect uh, on board. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm sad to report that the two new buses are delayed, but that's great because our garage is delayed too. So we see. Shinier. Yeah. So we are taking bets on what will happen first. So feel free to get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any questions about Council on Aging? Ms. Longer, thanks to Sarah. She's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah, to let her know that we, we missed her, but we'll, let her know. we'll have her back next year. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. Thank you. All right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you want to start with the town administrator? I think Jeff has a lot of my budget. I was going to say, I have them all. Well, not all, not all of yours, but several in a row. We spoke this week. So, like, and um, where are you starting the town administrator? Uh, yeah, let's start the town administrator budget. Okay. I don't know. This is a tough one. I know. <laughs> I think there are a lot. <laughs> Huh. Um, this budget, uh, you know, typically a lot of zeros on this. Yeah, we're, we're fairly stable um, year to year, so we're not asking for for any increases in the town administrator budget this year. Sure. But we take suggestions if you're looking at so, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about. Uh, are the increases for your salary considered? Uh, there. So they are not in here. I'm on a I'm on a con I have a uh, employment agreement with the select board um, that is currently under negotiation now. So that will probably not be decided until after this goes to print. So there will probably need uh, a need for a reserve fund transfer uh, in next year's budget to cover that. I sorry, I didn't actually need to say that oh. for everybody else. It it's just it's the same as it was. Correct. It's all, no raises reflected in here. That it's is all correct. good side. The yes, the, the, we are holding a 3% uh, COLA increase, and that's reflected in the human resources budget. We hold it there um, in order to make the final uh, determination on what that increase will be. Did you want to say something? I would say when you're looking at the book, everybody's budgets, though, there are step increases. Uh, reflected, but okay. no cola and nothing else, just right. step increase. Yeah. But in the in the town administrator budget, mm -hmm. there are no, no steps. steps in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all three are salary. Uh, and just for for your purposes, the that it covers Brittany and Frank and myself. So there's three of us in that. Okay. 
proposing a reduction to the town council budget this year and that's um, based on um, our collective bargaining agreement timing uh, we'll be heading back into negotiations with police and fire um, but based on when we'll do that for the timing we felt we could reduce um, labor council on that I typically don't have labor council at my collective bargaining sessions uh, we did this past year with police mainly because we were negotiating uh, so the large issue with civil service uh, that both sides felt uh, it was more appropriate for each of us to be represented by labor council. But typically in the past, um, we don't bring an attorney to the table uh, if the union doesn't bring one. So I don't anticipate uh, that for this year. So we were able to reduce that budget uh, by 10,000. Next up is information technology. And we are not proposing uh, any increases for this Okay. Just, uh, just for clarification, that's information technology that is just on the town side. Um, so while we do have a shared IT director and IT program coordinator, uh, that we share with the schools. This is just the operating expense uh, in IT for uh, the IT program coordinator and then our operations um, on, on the town side only, on the school side. So this is Owen's salary basically split. This is actually Carlos, oh, Carlos who's okay. our program, her okay. IT program coordinator. So this is his salary. Okay. Uh, the, the town pays 100% of Carlos's salary and the schools pay 100% of Owen's. And then we share both of those employees, school and town. Got it. Okay. 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 Next up, I have human resources. And Peter already stole my line on that. So we're good. Um, we had a Peter and I had a, a back and forth as to why the human resources budget had had such a large line item, and none of his budgets that he was reviewing had any raises for anybody. So um, that's not because we're making any judgments. It's uh, for accounting purposes. Instead of updating every line item budget, we wait and hold this pooled money here until we determine what the final um, cost of living increase will be. Before Andrew will then take that amount of money and distribute it to all of the individual budgets. Once that's been voted, and the personnel board will be meeting later this month to finalize that. Later in February. Later in February. <clears throat> okay. okay. If we did the uh, we did the the equipment stuff, right? Did we do that for information technology? Oh yeah, uh, the operating expenses. Operating yeah. Expenses. Okay. Sorry, that's part of the just, just, just because. It's great that it's that there's no increase, but everything seems to be going up in price, and there's mm -hmm. no expectation that software licenses and other things like that. Incorporate all of that, all of that in here. I think next year could be next year is going to be a, yeah. The big oh, yeah. No, no, go ahead. I'd say it's on. I remember from last year it's on contracts, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And we actually had a reduction by 5,000. You'll see under capital equipment replacement, we had a capital budget article um, for capital replacement. We've been able to utilize that and we've been able to reduce that by 5,000. So that's some left in there. Correct. Um, but I agree with Frank. Next year, some of our IT contracts come up for renewal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. prior years. That yeah. reflects the number having been spread out. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry, Bob had a question about. Well, my only question was looking at prior years in the human resources side, mm -hmm. those numbers that, that are reflected in prior years, that reflects the reclasses to each one of the departments. No, so you'll see um, you'll see thirty one two seventy five. That's actually the salary the schools and the town share human resources director, and that's actually Kathy Vandenboom's. That's our portion of her salary. Um, the thirty one two seventy five, there's thirty two eight thirty nine. So you won't see that large number, which uh, it's listed here under managerial merit, uh, which is actually our cola. That 157885, you won't see that because Andrew will take that money before this goes to print and that will be distributed. Right. Yeah. 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 So the, the smaller amounts that you see left, the 32, 31,275, Town report, uh, town meeting. If there's any questions on that? Any any questions on that? It looks fairly straightforward. Yeah, I mean, if you want to make the warrant report smaller, we're all for it. Yeah, yeah. Reduce our budget, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> yep. I don't have the other. Oh. So, sealer of weights and measures? Yes. So, um, I looked at the packet today and I didn't actually put, I did not put some of those smaller departments, the line items, so you could hold on those. If you want to hold those, I'll present them on the next one. Okay. We have a chance to look at them. Right. They're, they're very small, but I'm, I'm happy to see some. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe we can do that next meeting. Yeah. Then. yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, no, don't leave. I'm not going to. You have, you have me something. <laughs> uh, I think we're probably will do the um, the reserve fund transfers now. So right. I have some I have some great news on the reserve fund transfers. Um, I thought we wouldn't have an answer until um, next week, but we were able to um, take the Baxter Park, which was the emergency repairs. Just a few days before the holiday stroll, so the holiday stroll could go forward. We had some electrical repairs. We're um we're going to be able to use ARPA funding on that. Uh, so we don't need a reserve fund transfer for that this evening. That is um, good news. It's great news. So all we're looking for tonight is a reserve fund transfer, as Andrew explained, the eleven thousand five hundred for uh, the new auditors. And then as you know, uh, well, I'm sorry, you may not all know. We've been trying to hire a conservation agent. Um for about a year and a half now since our last agent left. It's a part-time position. We have not had very good luck finding it. Um, I think last time we posted, there were eight or nine other conservation agents at the same time. It seems to be, we're having very difficult a difficult time finding it. We tried to do a joint um, position with the town of Sherburne. Um, 
Conservation Commission here and the Conservation Commission in Sherburn were not really open to having a shared agent. They would eat like each like their own full-time agent. Um, we don't disagree, but in order for us to meet the warrant committee guidance this year, we weren't able to fund a full-time conservation agent. I think it's something we're going to need to look for uh, for next year, and we'll see what happens when we have some revised budget guidance uh, later on in this budget season. But we're spending a lot more to have a private contractor come in to do this work for us than if we actually had somebody on staff. If you increase building we're going to have coffee this week. It's a seamless Oh, I win. I've got three people who sit up there you need to have coffee with. <laughs> um, so one of the things, so they had, Conservation Commission has um, part-time funds, uh, has funds available and salary for their part-time agent. But because we're utilizing a consultant, we cannot pay salary to an outside consultant. Um, so we're asking for a reserve fund transfer of this $28,700.50. That covers, I believe it's May, um, July to December, sorry, July to December. Um, once we get next month, we will transfer, uh, we will request a transfer from you and the select board to transfer their salary line item to their operations line item. And we'll be able to pay the second half year uh, of that contract for. Okay. So we'll, we'll see that in the form of a transfer. You'll see it in a transfer. As and then opposed we'll be able to reserve. That okay. directly out of there. Yeah. Okay. Any questions on these two transfers? Mm -hmm. We have to vote on these, right? Yes, uh, a vote, and we, I do need a signature as well. Okay. So um, do we have to vote individually, or can we do them both? No, you can do time? both as long as you list both okay. of them and the amounts. Okay. So I'd entertain a motion to uh, approve the town accountant eleven thousand five hundred and the conservation commission for twenty thousand seven hundred and fifty cents. So moved. Okay. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Motion passes. Thank you. All right. Okay. So uh, we are at uh, the elementary school building discussion. Can I, um, I've got a couple small budgets for you, oh. um, public health and veterans. Okay. Um, I think we were just going to tackle those. Yes, that's my bad. I didn't put them in the package. You didn't go in the package. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, I'll, yeah. We'll All right. Next time. Yeah, I gotcha. got you. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Just like trying to get them all up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I put all those smaller ones on one sheet and all the apparently that one sheet. Oh, okay. So, I guess that was or something. So I no, no big deal. They're pretty straightforward, so it won't take any time at all. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let me do that right now. So let me get two seconds. All right, just uh, today's the 30th, right? Okay. Yeah, 30th. I've been writing my There's eight of us, right? Eight. Okay, so this is the 28.
Great. Okay, so um, elementary school. We last time we met, we um, got an update from Peter on the school building committee, and they um, Peter, you know, gave us that update, and we talked about uh, this uh, question that they're we're uh, wrestling with on the school building committee with. Um, the MSBA, you know, not not getting into the MSBA program, and then having to sort of think about what's what's the next steps, right? So, I um, I know we didn't get too far in that discussion, but uh, it wasn't on our agenda, quite honestly. So I didn't want to go too far, but the um, I did resurrect a presentation that I had done almost a year ago, and uh, it. Uh, it was around this uh, financial modeling for a school build a new elementary school. I thought we'd go through some of that just as background, and then we could kind of talk what people think um, about you know what feedback they give Peter for the committee. Um, so uh, this is again a high level, very high level. It's order of magnitude. These are not precise uh, numbers, but. Um, you know, these are questions that I had come up with, uh, you know, what, what should the design enrollment be? They're, they're doing a study on that. Um, the grade configuration, I know they've talked about that, and I think they've kind of, or, I don't know if they've settled on that, but they might be just leaning towards the current grade configuration. And they got a presentation on the educational program and, uh, and, um, at one of their recent meetings. It was a very good presentation, actually. Um, so they still need to look at space needs, which, um, but today I wanted to just revisit the last two here, which is what's an acceptable tax impact for residents and what's the source of project funding? These were questions I had raised a year ago. Um, so just a, a little level setting in terms of what impacts the cost to taxpayers of a new school. Um, three broad categories, the interest rate at the time of borrowing, the project costs, which is the amount of the borrowing, and the loan terms. Under the, inter the interest rate, um, you know, the borrowing environment is not something we control. It's highlighted in yellow here. The credit rating is obviously something we control. We're double A currently, but probably be difficult to move to a triple A, um, and so probably will be a double A. Um, although it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Uh, and construction costs are another big unknown um, on the, the project cost. Space needs, design enrollment, and the educational programming uh, all drive the, the project costs, as well as a, a key decision with whether you do a design bid build or you do a construction manager at risk and how you, how you bid it. And then on loan terms, um, there... Um, you know, most schools are, are funded with a 30-year term loan. There is a, uh, a proposal at the state level. Um, the governor has proposed um, in some recent uh, uh, legislation to allow a 40-year term loan. So it'll be interesting to see if that passes. Um, but that's obviously a, a function of the pressure that towns are seeing with trying to build a new school with the current rate environment and in the cost. And then um, 
the method of amortization, the, you know, there's two methods you can pick. It's, you know, I have modeled here the one, the level debt one, which is, um, gives you the, the most favorable answer. Um, so on the question of uh, enrollment, I just updated some of these numbers. Um, uh, this is uh, from the fall of 2023, uh, the, the NESDEC uh, enrollment on the left. <clears throat> and you can see uh, where we are currently, 404. It kind of, you know, stays around 400 pretty, for, you know, pretty much the whole period. It's, it's kind of pretty consistent, 200 per class. Um, and um, this on the right is just the breakout between the two grades. Um, so this was something I shared, you know, about a year ago, and this is, Basically, I, I modeled uh, three different enrollments, um, four different enrollments, excuse me, in terms of uh, uh, how many classrooms you would need and what's the space uh, requirement for those classrooms. So we start with the planned enrollment, um, and I just split it evenly between grade four and five. Um, there's a policy on how many uh, what the general classroom student policy is per classroom. And that gets you, you do the math, that gets you the number of general classrooms. You can't have a fraction of a classroom, so you round up um, to the number of general classrooms. And the MSBA, um, the, one, the one requirement they have, MSBA, is they do require uh, a, a minimum class size. Of 900 square feet, they get they allow you a range between 900 and 1,000, uh, but the, the the 900 is a, is a minimum requirement. So I I've used that here, and you, what you can see is that there's there's no difference between a 450 and a 475 enrollment in terms of net floor space uh, for general classrooms. Um, it goes up obviously. The 575 that was the Wheelock proposal. That that was proposed. So you know you're talking like maybe uh, five thousand square feet difference between a four fifty and a five seventy five square foot um, five seventy five enrollment in terms of general classroom net floor area. So this is the program space areas of that Wheelock proposal. And I've sort of anchored the analysis in this because there was a lot of uh, designers and architects that looked at this. Um, excuse me, I dropped my glasses. Uh, so, and this is what was, um, you know, approved by the last school building committee. Um, and over on the right, I've broken up that core academic between the general classroom space and they had some additional space for a STEM and some breakout rooms. But they had like 26 classrooms gen for general classrooms. And I vote this also has the MSBA guidelines in it. And um, you'll see that uh, they were fairly close, except for the gym. That We all know the gym was, was a little larger than the guideline for the MSBA. The interesting thing about these MSBA guidelines is they're just that, they're guidelines. They're not, um, they're not requirements. Um, you can go under them if you want to, 
You can go over them if you want to. You just won't get reimbursed. The MSB won't reimburse you, you know, for things that go outside of, of the. So, but you can do whatever you want. You, you know, this, they reimburse you if you go under. Up to, not not up to their guideline, but whatever your whatever your number is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the so anyway, this is um, you'll see. This is. Uh, the you know the schematic design was what was uh, what was proposed um, and ninety five thousand gross sixty three net um, so all I did is I took those numbers for the net floor area so if you look back here the sixty three for the uh, sixty three eight eight five that's the starting wheelock proposal. I adjusted that. I adjusted the twenty-two hundred for the the difference in the gym space between what was proposed and what the guidelines had, and then I reduced the general classroom space for each enrollment scenario. So the five seventy-five, I didn't make any changes to because that's that was the baseline, and I took out uh, thirty-six hundred for the five hundred and fifty-four hundred square feet for. The low enrollment, the four four hundred fifty. So I modeled this net floor space of fifty six, fifty eight, and sixty one. I didn't look at any other space in the building in terms of you know. I just assumed that it wasn't you know as it, it wasn't as sensitive to changes in enrollment. Um, this is interesting. This is um, this kind of shocked me when I looked at this. Yeah. <laughs> And you can see it's sort of a hyperbolic uh, curve that's that's occurring here. I did this. We did this a year ago, and the 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 cost I modeled was seven hundred to eight hundred. It was a range. When I looked at this, I looked at the, the far upper right corner, and each each one of these dots represents a school. Okay, um, whether it's a, a it's a school that that they develop cost estimates for okay some of them passed the x's are the ones that fail um in a town vote the um the actual uh the actual orange color means it went out to bid but uh the msba process uh i looked at the ones up in the far right corner here some of them are high schools some are middle schools i just looked at elementary schools and um, I, I captured uh, ones that were the most current cost information. So these were ones that that uh, they're going to go they're going to go out to bid in 2025, a year, 18 months from now. So they're submitting their their cost estimates now to the MSBA. What's a plus? That is a uh, that's a PSR phase of the MSBA process, a okay. preliminary schematic report. It's the fir first time they actually give cost data to the MSBA, and they have professional estimators, you know, submit it. So I'll show you in the next page, but the, the range is like 850, 850 to 900. So that's what's happened in a year's time with the, with the cost of what's going on. These are the these are the schools right here that Burlington, Quincy, Dedham, Situate, and Stoughton. The Quincy one is supposed to be coming out in 
in a few weeks. Um, I didn't have that data. But the other four you can see range from 850 to 900. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're all under 550 in terms of enrollment. Um, it's interesting, the smaller the school, the higher the per square foot cost because you don't get the economies. Um, so, um, but there's a 515 in here at 850. Um, there's a 550 at 845. Um, so, um, and there's a 460 at 874. So this is, um, so I, that's what I modeled. I modeled the 850 to 900. Um, and just for, for comparison purposes, you know, a couple of years ago, three, two, three years ago, we were at 675. That's, that's what's happened with costs. <laughs> These are just construction costs for new, new construction. Um, and then um, this is, uh, again, I'll walk you through this. So basically, this is just the net, the net floor areas for each cost point, 850 and 900. Uh, and the WELOC, uh, again, it's, it's just adjusted for, you know, the four classrooms for the 500 enrollment, six classrooms for the 475 enrollment. Um, and then um, there is a grossing factor that, that uh, most designers use when they do planning at this level. It's 1.5. It also happens to be the uh, it's the um, it's the ratio that the MSBA also uses for reimbursement. So they look they look at your overall net floor area, and and they and then they they'll allow you a one and a half grossing factor. They won't reimburse for anything over that. Um, so so designers take very great care to stay within that that grossing factor. And it's my understanding is it's very difficult to get below that. Maybe 1.49 or 1.48, but I checked maybe 10 schools when I looked at this a year ago. I couldn't find any that were, you know, they, maybe 1.49 or 1.4, but there were very, there wasn't any that was below that. Um, so, um, so that gets you the gross square feet and the rest is kind of just math. It's just uh, multiplied by the construction cost per square foot. You get to your total construction cost. And then there's a 25%. So I should point out that the construction costs includes site work. It does not include any costs for a, uh, uh, for modular modulars. They're, those are ineligible to get reimbursed by for the MSBA. So I didn't, that's not in there. And there's a 25% soft cost and contingency factor. And then the good news is that the, re, the MSBA reimbursement rate has gone up. So for a 450 enrollment school, you're talking about $23.6 million of, of, uh, of a reimburse, potential reimbursement. Um, the, I'll go back to this for a second, because I think this is an important point. So we were, we were at three years ago, the MSBA was at a $333 square foot reimbursement rate. 
that's there the green see this green line i don't know if you can see it on the slide but it's this green line it just kind of it kind of you know putted along a little bit above 300 and like in 2020 i think uh beginning of 2021 it was 333 they've had uh three increases since then they've increased it to 432 through september 30th 2022 they went up again to 568 through September 30th, 2023. And the current rate now is 605. So I think the point here that I, I want people to understand is that if you were a if you were a town that made a decision two years ago, two or three years, say two years, even two years ago, that you didn't want to go into the MSBA program, you lost this insurance. You didn't get this protection. All these cost increases you owned. <laughs> so that's that's an important point I think people need to understand. If you're not in that MSBA program, there is some insurance. Historically, there's been insurance. Doesn't mean it'll be there. You don't know what'll happen, but historically there's some evidence of them changing that reimbursement rate when there's inflation that's going on so um the um so this is just some background on the borrowing the rate yeah yeah you're saying that the reimbursement went from 330 to 700 was that on that side 605 yeah yeah yet when you modeled the um Estimated cost of the project in the next slide and said that the MSBA reimbursement would be like 23 million. That's more like 25%, but like 600 from 300 per square foot is a 100% increase. So I just don't get the math there. You know what I'm um, So the, uh, yeah, so. Like, is there a, is there a, there's a, a the, the, yeah, the, the way the formula is in the column on the right. So the way it works for the reimbursement is there's there's a, a basis that they reimburse on. And they, you cal first calculate that basis, which is basically the 605 times, you know, um, so the example down below, if you look at it for 450 student enrollment, it's 84,000 gross square feet times 605. Plus, there's an allowance for uh, soft costs, right? And then it's forty percent of that. Oh, is okay. what they yeah. So it's, it's okay. a, there's All a forty percent. Right. Uh, every town gets a different. Um, you know, like a town like Wellesley would probably be the lowest. They'd probably be like thirty-one percent or something like that. That's the baseline. Everybody gets thirty-one, and then okay. they adjust it based on a bunch of different things. One of them is is the income levels of the town and the other is uh incentive they give incentives if you do certain things in your design so um so does that answer your question yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so the the interest rate assumption um you know it's a, it's at least a couple years away um i used uh level debt and the other point that's important is that some people say, well, why do you worry about interest rates? You can always refinance it. Well, you're you're locked in for 10 years, you know, when you do a borrowing like this. And uh, 
We have a tri tech, tri county tech at four and a quarter. Um, uh, last time I did this, I, I modeled three and a half to five. So the midpoint was four and a quarter. This time I, I lowered it to three and a half to four and a half. So the midpoint is like 4%. Um, and that's only because, you know, there's sort of this trend now of rates hopefully stabilizing and coming down. So, um, so this, these are just the numbers of uh, what the, what the borrowings look like with those, those uh, rate assumptions. Um, I will, you know, I did, I did it for, um, I used 875 because otherwise there would just be too many numbers. So rather than 850 and 900, I just took the midpoint. Um, and um, you could see, you know, this, this page sort of shows an example of a 450 enrollment school at a 4% rate with a 30 year, it says level principal should be level debt, but so these are all modeled off a of level debt. But you can see that the, um, and this is from Marion's, I mean, from uh, Renee, uh, Renee's um, spreadsheet that she, she provided, uh, basically, uh, the assessed values, the old tax bill, the new tax bill with that type of a debt, you know, burden for that assumed school. Um, and you could see that, you know, it, um, you know, it's, if you don't go into the MSBA, it results in a $334 increase to taxes for the average single family home. That's the nine. That's the bottom one, the nine hundred three, mm -hmm. and um, it's. A, but but if you remember that the Wheelock proposal was eight fifty two for the average household, so it's a thirty nine percent increase from, you know, from that Wheelock proposal, and it's a range. If you look at just the million to the million five, it's a range of um, three seventy one to five hundred fifty six dollars of increased taxes to the taxpayer so um you know i think that's really you know that was um i, I just wanted i think this model is it's got some reasonable assumptions in it i think it's it's uh it's not precise but it's order of magnitude it'll give you an idea um these increases are before you get to any normal increase in our tax bill, like two or 3% every year. Mm -hmm. So um, you'd have to add that onto this. Um, so, you know, it's significant to, to families, um, but I thought people should understand it. This last slide is just the MSBA process. There's two slides here, just so people understand that um, when you apply, and if they, you know, in December they 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 get back to you, and if you if they say, well, we would like to invite you to the eligibility period, and these are the things that go on in that eligibility period, um, you basically say, I understand the program. These are all fairly simple and easy things to do, but nevertheless, it's it's part of that process. So you you just you know say you understand the program. Um, they like to, to look at your membership on the SBC 
and they they don't usually tell you to take somebody off, but they can tell you to add somebody that's not there, like a select person, something like that. And then um, they do look at design enrollment. That's one thing that uh, they do early on, uh, and they will weigh in on that. If you remember the last proposal, they they uh, they they upped the design enrollment that that was submitted, and then. Um, the uh, confirmation of, uh, they wanna make sure you have funding to move forward for the feasibility study. And then, um, you know, there's a, there's a standard agreement that they make you sign. And then the, then the next step is the actual procurement of the OPM and the designer. And they have a standard process. They have standard templates and contracts to help you do that. Um, they do weigh in on that designer decision so it's important that if whatever work the SBC does in the next nine or ten, eight months, eight months or so, whoever, whatever designer they pick, then and designers all know this. They probably some designers will may opt not to not to propose on any work until they know because they if if you get into the MSBA program. The MSBA has to weigh in on that decision. You can't, so you can't jump that decision mm -hmm. point with the MSBA. And it's big dollars, right? Big dollars for designers. The, the big fees are in the, when they start, you know, doing the detailed design, the construction, all that stuff. So, and all the designers know that. So they won't, um, um, some of them might not even bid, you know, to work with us if they know we're applying to the MSBA program. Um, and then um, I'm sure you could. I'm sure they could always get somebody to to do some work. And then the then they do the feasibility study. And um, there's um, you know there's uh, this is where they look at uh, the educational program, the space needs. They document existing conditions. A lot of this stuff has already been done from the last project. It could be quickly, you know, it could quickly uh, be refurbished and packaged and submitted. Um, without a lot of effort, um, and uh, the the big uh, the the number five there is where they you know you have to look at your alternatives, and then that's what they call the preliminary design report, P a PDP preliminary design program. Number six is where you actually pick a preferred solution. That's the PSR phase of the MSBA process. Mm -hmm. That's where you actually have, you know, um, cost estimates for different alternatives. And then the local community picks, a, you know, the committees that are working on this, they pick a location and a, and a design and they say, this is the one we prefer. And then all this goes to the MSBA and they review it to make sure that you've done a comprehensive job. And then um, and they will ask questions, you know. Um, and the, so they come back, uh, and then once, uh, so that's that's the feasibility study. The next phase is the schematic design, where you take that preferred solution, and then you actually spend a lot of money doing a detailed design. So this is where, you know, they get really detailed, um, and it's it's uh, it's. Um, 
it takes it takes a while to do this phase. It doesn't go quickly. Up until now, things can move very quickly, um, and uh, they have to have something that's uh, the basis of a uh, a budget proposal that goes to be voted on by the town and approved by the MSBA. Basically, is what happens. You know, and then the last step is the the, the once um, once you've got the the project approved by town vote, then you do the uh, the really detailed design and construction documents, and you do your bidding and all that stuff. That's kind of how it works. So I just thought people would you know appreciate. These are just appendices that were in the in my slides. It's a ton of work. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know what people think, but um, about this question of, you know, I, I will say that I know that the select when when we when the SBC went and looked looked at this and they presented to the select board, um, I think Gus was the most vocal at that meeting. He said that um, this is the last time you're talking about this was uh, like maybe. November. In November, oh, this, December, this most current month. Yeah, yeah, November, December. Um, you know, he he's was very concerned about cost. Obviously, Gus is always concerned about cost, but you know, he he had, at that meeting he threw out a thousand dollar number and said, you know, that would be too much. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, um, you know, he was obviously focused on the impact of the taxpayers and the cost. $5,000 per square foot. No, no. The impact of taxpayers. <laughs> impact of taxpayers. It's, um, numbers are crazy. So, yeah. you know, that's, yeah, it's it's scary when you look at the numbers. It's, you know, there's not a lot of, um, well, not a lot of good news there. I, I think that, you know, this, is, this has been presented, I think, for the, you know, as the process continues, this kind of update is really valuable yeah, for valuable. us as a committee. Um, but I also suggest that, um, and Peter and Steve, um, consider keeping this in front of the school building committee in terms of, because I know you've done a presentation once, yeah. but I think as, as you update this, you know, some process of review and updating just to keep people focused, it would be a, you know, a, a important. So that, I mean, that'd be Peter Ray's. Well, if, if they would like, I'd be happy to, you know, yeah. I, I leave, leave it up to them. To suggest that they re-invite or invite a second time Steve to come and give this presentation, which I think is very valuable and helpful. Um, obviously it's up to them whether they accept or not, but Steve has told me, He'd be happy to come if they do invite him. It's hard to believe they wouldn't invite him, but we'll find out. So, yeah. question on the um, status that you had in July 19 and 20, are we not yet at eligibility phase with the project? Like when we're looking at that. So, so uh, this, what precipitated this was that, the, or not the only thing that precipitated at the last meeting of our committee, at the work committee, I reported that we, at the time, Knows this. This is we applied to, for the to get in the December 2023 round, and we did not get in. Right. So, so that we're now at the fork in the road, 
do we they're free so you don't you don't you to answer your question you don't move to eligibility right. unless they invite you right right, right. So right. it's another so you have path. to wait till every year you have to yeah. do we reapply seeking admission in december of 2024 this year or do we decide to try to go it on our own but as this i mean as this presentation makes clear that's very very expensive um i don't know what the sbc is going the collective group of the school building committee is going to want to do i think it's kind of daunting to think about not trying to get um msba funding but but it's not it's not it's not even this committee's call individually it's up to the sbc right yeah and it's actually the I mean, SBC will obviously weigh in on it, but the actual uh, application gets signed by the school committee and the select board, not not the SBC. But yeah. one one thing that I I googled this and this may not be the right data, but what I googled, um, Andover has been rejected ten years in a row, uh, Martha's Vineyard six years in a row, Burlington ten years in a row. So it's not there's I don't think that there's a data point of. Uh, we just got to wait a year or so, and it'll be good to go. No, that's that's. I don't know. I've had that conversation, and other members of the SBC talked about that. They, some members of the SBC said, "Yeah, yeah, we can reapply for December 2024, but we don't know that we can get it, and then we've lost potentially another yeah. year of planning towards the school, which we desperately need." Pretty desperately need uh, a new school there. So, but you're absolutely right. It's not like the fact that we come back again means, oh gosh, you know, now we'll give it to them. There's right, you know, right, right. Yeah. But I, I think I remember hearing from the last go around that the expectation was that it would be three to five years to get back in. So the minimum was three years. Um, this was Mike Quinlan, I think, said this. Uh -huh. So three to five. So it's only been two. Um, now, am I saying that we should just, you know, keep applying so for ten years? No. Twenty eighteen. So extrapolating from Brett's actually. Sorry. No. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. It's such an un, that is what, what yeah. Pete just said. Now, it's such an unknowable. Yeah, I mean, there are examples. I know you quoted the ones who didn't get in for a long time, but there are examples of towns that that got in less than those periods. Yeah, for sure. Like Amherst and sure. um, and uh, there's another one up in the North Shore, uh, Swampscott. But it's so. the question of do you, do you want to live with that uncertainty? But yeah, and 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 how long do you? Do you wait before you just say, you know what, enough time enough time has passed and we need to move forward without the MSBA? That's the question to me is like, have we given this enough time? Um, because I will tell you, if you do not apply, let's say we, we, they make a decision to not do it this year, after two years to not apply, there will, people voted yes on the last project because it had MSBA funding. 
if you move forward, you make a decision not to apply and not take, not even try to get the MSBA funding, there will be a, um, be a new no vote that forms against the project because you didn't do that. And so that's my fear. You know, we got to get to 67%. Which is hard. And it's hard <laughs> because, you know. Right. What about the other two levers? Um, I think we kind of skirted over it. Uh, the grade configuration seemed like that was set by, I don't know who even decides that, but that seemed like that was a, a non-movable item because the, the someone, the which committee said, hey, this is what we want to do. Maybe we provide feedback that that should be something that's revisited, or maybe we say, listen, this is going to be complicated. We should revisit a, a few of those things to try to find levers that can unlock some of the, the stuck part that we're in. I will just tell you what I know. I think from the last project, when they did look at the more than a two-grade configuration, they did look at a three-grade configuration. The numbers were huge. Yeah, obviously, yeah, making so, it bigger was so not, they, not the they, answer. They, but... they, quick, they changed course and right. said we're going to go to two grades. So what I read online, which may not be accurate, was that there was capacity in some of the other schools. So the Blake and the high school have more capacity or under capacity. Um, so we're sort of stuck with this uh, Dale being the problem. And, and uh, you mean you read it? Oh, you mean you read it on concerned citizen? Yeah. Yeah. We looked at that question at Did the Warren Committee. Okay. Yeah. We studied it. And, and it's there's all the data is on, there's a presentation on it on the website. Okay. And, uh, and that's not the We case. actually, Ed and I actually walked. The, the schools, and we looked at the cost of, you know, uh, doing modulars and stuff like that. But we did look at the question of excess space. Um, and it's not going to be solved. And at that time, it, it, it wasn't big enough to solve 400 kids without, without massive interruption of the programming that was going on at the existing schools. It was kind of what, what we walked away with. So, hey, I have a question. The updated scatter plot, I guess, of the MSBA projects that are going on with the cost rising so much per square foot. Did you, is there, maybe we haven't looked at it. Um, is there any increase in renovation projects versus new build projects? There, uh, when you say is there any interest, I think. Increase, that's, that's a, rather, right? Oh, well. Yeah, they, there is very there's very few data points on ad rentals is the problem, <laughs> which is why I didn't pick cost data on that. And, okay. and each and, one and, is yeah. each one is unique and different. You know, mm -hmm. some are just some are just doing a really small addition onto a building, and others are being you know it's all very very unique. And there's only like a handful of them, so the population of there just aren't that many. Mm -hmm. It's there on the website. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's. You know, when all I know is when they did the last estimate, they looked at Adreno and it wasn't significantly, it was a little cheaper, mm -hmm. but it wasn't significantly cheaper than new construction. Uh, how the, that's how the numbers came out last time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, I think, um, but that's clearly an option. It could, it could, yeah, it could it's still an option to do an ad reno. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about self-funding, certainly. I mean, and MSBA covers ad reno. They would too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can get the program for that, but just yeah. other alternatives. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that that's something that if they, 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 I'm sure they will look they will look at an ad rental option. You yeah, know, to. And, uh, I'm just curious if more other districts have gone that way because of the and maybe doing it. I think you know everything so. I've seen. I, I've only you know I've looked at you know I don't know I looked at I studied Amherst quite a bit because they were someone who who had a failed vote and then got back in the MSBA program. Okay. And the Amherst one, when they redid their numbers, it was a very similar situation. There was very little difference between ad reno and new construction. Mm -hmm. it was, it's not significant. And when the book tech people came here last year, they had the same thing. Had, yeah. I think, I mean, this is from memory, and I think they said an ad reno would be, I'm pulling another number, but there was like a $15 million gap and in fact building new was cheaper than the ad reno in that particular instance yeah. is at least my memory but it's something my, it, my memory yeah it's something yeah. to study um you know at, at a certain point in the process because it's you know the, the difficulty is again is the when you look at the msba information it's mm -hmm. just construction costs mm -hmm. so in an ad reno it doesn't include modulars Right. So right. You'd have, we have some good based on that. You'd have to get, you know, the project cost. Right. Not just construction. Right. Cost. And I think one of the I mean, one of the tough things on that too is, you know, you so it depends on the scope of the ad right? right? Yeah. So other towns might be feeling the same crunch. Maybe they're doing smaller projects uh, over time mm -hmm. rather than yeah. a large ad run out. But yeah. it's a gradual way of it's a really good right? idea. But spreading it out. My, my sense of Dale. He said an ad rental there would be a. But I recall from the last conversation too, and it's it's not in the assumptions is the the cost of mothballing old buildings. What is you know what is that to the tax bill as well? So it's. It'll be interesting to see how the committee works through those decisions. So we can get like yeah. total project costs, but then also total tax increase townwide on you know the actual project and then residual effects from doing the project too. So yeah, I mean I think that um it's a it's I mean to me, you gotta get to 67%. And I think that um taking an action now that I mean, we're we're talking about it. there's an article being proposed to create a tax mitigation stabilization right. fund yeah. to save save yeah. money to the taxpayer, mm -hmm. and making a decision to walk away from twenty three million dollars is counter to that. Right. I mean, it's like right. it's like it's it's I'm having a hard time getting that through my head of why we would do that. Um, you know, I why well, would, I why wouldn't we do everything said, possible? Yeah, I understand yeah. that, but why wouldn't we do everything possible to uh, to minimize the cost to taxpayers? And I understand there's a there's a uh, there's no definite that you'll get in, but we were told three to five years. We're only at two years, so yeah, you know, in my mind, you do this at least one more year. You, you apply at least for one more year. Um, that's that's sort of what I think, but. Know what other people think. I agree. Yeah. Is there an opportunity? To, I mean, have we have we looked at a sort of a, as you pointed out, Julian, like a 
a reno program where you're sort of rolling through five years of renovations and payout? Well, that, uh, Newton did that. Okay. Newton had a, they had a study done of the whole city and they had like a program for 20 schools over like a 20 year period <laughs> where they, and they're actually keeping some schools. They're not demolishing schools. Right. They're using them as swing space. Okay. So they, they finish at one school, five years later, they do another school and they use that swing space and they just keep going. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant idea, <laughs> you know. Kind of a good building management. The reason I brought it up is we kind of feel, I think everyone sort of feels boxed in a little bit. Like we're sort of hemmed in by the box we are, the town, everyone's painted ourselves into. And so to the extent that there are things we can unstick, whether it's great configuration or renovation or whatever, I think we should try to, be proactively removing assumptions and and re reevaluating what is what what we should what we need to do. You know what I mean? Uh, and then maybe some of those things don't even need to go to a full vote for sixty seven percent because they're a reno program. And what does that look like? What do you mean? Like if you choose to say over five years we're going to fix Dale twenty uh, percent a year, that's maybe that's not a big giant uh, town uh, proposal. It's just part of. Uh... Oh yeah, there's always an option to to do a uh, a quick, you know. I mean, they looked at a base, just a base repair of Dale at the last project mm -hmm. was thirty eight million dollars, just just to bring it up to code. Right. Not it's not giving it more space. The MSBA doesn't even participate in that. That's <laughs> they make you calculate it, but they they don't they won't participate in that because they don't they don't view that as a good. Good strategy. Right. So, right. But theoretically, you, know, you could do a rolling five-year, you know, seven million dollars a year to fix the thing up. And so where are you gonna get to seven million? So you keep spending seven million every year. I'm just saying like, it would be I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to frame right. out options. I'm not proposing anything. Well, I'm just yeah, boarding ideas here. Okay. Well, I mean, I think um yeah, what, what do you think? You all, you all? Yeah, I think it's been presented. I think that's good. And okay. Leave it at that. And okay. I think that, uh, right. you know, you and Peter work together. And, you know, any comments on that would come out at the school building committee. And all these are different options. This is just giving facts and process of where we are at the moment. Right. Yeah. Yes, Chris. Yeah. Um, just. Sort of factual clarification. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time researching MSBA, doing public record requests from them, researching other projects, talking to other districts. Um, just, just quick clarifications. Um, with MSBA, if you do a renovation, they do not hold you to that 900 square foot classroom size. They give you flexibility with the renovation to do something to go smaller. You have to review it. You have to pass it by them that they don't hold you to the 900 square foot, and that's in, that's in the regulations. So that's some, some cost savings right there. Um, MSBA right now, from all indications, is they are putting a lot of pressure on towns, school districts to consolidate. But the consolidation by a lot of different uh, educational standards is creating schools that are very big and not are, are too big for, edu for educational soundness. There's the, the sort of rule of thumb is for an elementary school, we don't want to have a school that's any bigger than 500 students. And so 
you get into a position where if you say, okay, I'm going to go through the MSBA program and we're going to do our elementary school and they put pressure on you as a district to say, well, we want you to consolidate your grades. We don't this care about the school building committee. This isn't for us. No, this isn't. This it's isn't not that. Uh, well, all right. Well, it's, it's my No, go, go ahead. Finish. Finish. So, go ahead, so finish. you look at Hopkinton as an example. Elmwood has an elementary school right now. Hopkinton, their elementary schools have been one of the top rated in the in the state by so many indications. Their model is very similar to ours, where they have two grades. Um, MSBA put pressure on them to do a three-grade school. That school now is going to be over, is going to be built for over a thousand students with three grades. The cost of that school is $158 million, $158.4 million. So the question is let me let me stop you there because I think the Hopkinton situation, as I understand it, was. One, they made them do that because the enrollment was through the roof. So they 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 didn't, you know, they they were making plans and they were already out of room. So no, 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 this is a different, this is a different scenario. The reason I'm bringing this up is because if MSB MSB been doing this, I, I don't know whether you saw the the information that I um, sent you. What MSB has been doing now, they did it in Burlington too. If MSB were to come to Medfield and say. We will we will admit you to the program if you consolidate your grades for a three grade school. We don't care if you get to eight hundred students on that building, but we want to see grade consolidation. Then all of a sudden they are imposing their belief that they want us to spend all that extra money on school, and they put us again in the, between a rock and a hard place. Do we say yes? Okay, we'll be admitted to the program if we go with three grades, but it goes against our sort of local philosophy about how big a school. We really want to have for our kids. Well, I mean, it, it comes down to enrollment, right? I mean, the Burlington one you just cited is 325 enrollment on up in the screen was 91,000 square feet. Um, that doesn't sound like a big school. No, Burlington, Burlington put their put their own, you know, stake in the sand and said, "This goes against our own values. We don't want to be that big. You are forcing us to be that big." Okay, but obviously they didn't. They didn't win. Burlington one. Right, but I guess the question is, if, if MSBA comes to us and says, we're going to put pressure on you to, to reconfigure grades for three grades, and it's going to be a 900-student school. Why would they do that if we, if they didn't do it last time? They did do it last time. In, in essence, they did it. Uh, all right, all right, all right. All, right. all I'm saying is that. Mr. Chairman, this isn't our issue here. It's not our issue. Yeah, you want to take this up with the school building committee? That's fine, but that's not the purpose of our presentation. I understand. Well, then, if you understand, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you, I would encourage you to go to the school building committee and make those points. Um, we, we are um, just looking at the question of of uh, cost here um, in this in this presentation. And, this this and, factors this ends up factoring into the cost. Right, and so far, I've I've heard that. Um, that uh, the you, you use the word pressure. I, I'm I'm sure they ask questions and and ask them to explore different options, but they uh, you know I think the my understanding of the process is that it's locally voted the preferred option, and that's what goes for approval to the MSBA. So I'm not sure what you mean by pressure. So the 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 Burlington situation was voted and approved locally and went to the MSBA. And that's what's moving forward. So, I mean, um, 
Anyway, um, I will take a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Second. All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye.